the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The following episode is going to be of, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be about something ridiculous, but it's also going to be a peek into U.S. culture for a lot of our fellow ridiculous historians listening outside of the United States. We are today talking about football. American football. American football. And there's going to necessarily be some roughness in this episode. Remember that movie, Necessary Roughness? No, what was necessary roughness? It was about? just a raunchy, like, 90s American football comedy, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? Oh, I'm Noel, uh, and I am an aficionado of raunchy 90s uh, football-based comedies. Yes, yes, yes. That's how we met. I did my undergrad in that, actually. All facts. Uh, I am Ben, and this is Ridiculous History, but it would not be Ridiculous History without our super producer, Casey Pegram. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge that American football, also a great band. Yep. <laughs> kind of a, what is it? What would you call them? This little emo yeah, kind of? Sort of, sort yeah, of emo, but way more on the tolerable side, as far as I'm concerned. No, they're good. Yeah. They're kind of jangly. They don't like, they don't whine scream. Yeah. They, they, it's kind of a little more low key, and the guitars are kind of jangly and arpeggio-y kind of. I, I dig it. And they have uh, reunited after many years dormant. Oh, They have cool. a third album coming out. I nice. will say this, though, for some reason, the name American Football, it's just very bland sounding. It sounds like they'd be a very bland kind of vanilla band. And they sort but of are. I mean, no, it's, it's approachable kind of, emo. That's yeah, what yeah, I would call yeah, it. Yeah, approachable yeah. emo. Casey on the case. Well, today's story actually has a pretty cool Atlanta connection, which is where we find ourselves right now. Back in 1897, there was a fullback um, at the University of Georgia uh, named Richard Von Gammon, and he was uh, playing um, with his team against the Virginia team, which is a college team, and 
in those days, it was quite common for players to be brutally injured, and this was no exception. He was rushed and dogpiled on and was at the bottom of this heap of humanity, and he started, he, he received this, this hit and then began to vomit uh, blood, and he, they realized that he was dying on this football field. Right. They eventually realized what happened. The team doctor popped the guy with a syringe full of morphine and then noticed the blood was coming from Richard Von Gammon's head. Von Gammon, you see, had suffered a skull fracture and a concussion. He was placed in a horse-drawn carriage headed for Grady Hospital, and he died in the hospital Overnight, Yeah, and that scene that we're describing, a medic basically coming out and stabbing a football player with a syringe full of morphine sounds more like something akin to what you'd see on a Vietnam battlefield. Or, you know, I mean, this mm-hmm. is, this is a, a college sport for fun. Right, right. He was not wearing headgear. Today, football is still hazardous. According to CDC estimates here in the U.S., 1.6 to 3.8 million sports and recreation-related concussions occur each year in the U.S. 10% of all contact sports athletes sustain concussions each year. Brain injuries cause more deaths than any other sport injury. And in American football, Brain injuries count for, get this, 65 to 95% of all fatalities. And this is with all the equipment that people have today. Yeah, back in these days that we're talking about, they didn't have helmets. They barely had any padding. Um, a little later, there's a movie uh, called Leatherheads that uh, stars a guy that played Jim in The Office and George Clooney, where you can see the relatively minor changes that were made in football by 1925. And there were some pretty small helmets, a little bit more shoulder padding. But in these days, when this event, this death of this young man really polarized the nation against the sport, very little protective measures were put in place for these uh, these young men that were out there. I am delighted, by because we know a lot about each other. This is news to me, folks. I am delighted, Noel, by your by your fascination with these these like turn of the twentieth century football films. You know, nineties to early two thousands. Is that your wheelhouse? Totally, dude. <laughs> I did my dissertation on varsity blues. You know, looking back, it all makes sense in retrospect. And that's something that we see today. You know, if you've ever watched a U.S. football game, you can see the tremendous amount of damage these folks are dealing out to one another. And then you can look back at pictures of footballers of yesteryear and see that they were doing the same thing with much less protection. This has been an ongoing debate in this country. Was football a proper pastime, people were asking in the wake of Von Gammon's death, or was it as violent and deadly as, quote, the gladiatorial combat of ancient Rome? Ivy League University presidents argued about this, along with reformist, muckraking journalists, and politicians. As we learn through a great Smithsonian article called Score One for Roosevelt, President Theodore Roosevelt himself 
intervened because you see, in addition to being president, he was a huge football fan. And had been from the start. And he even schooled uh, his young son, who comes into play in this, um, in saying that the very thing that makes us love football is the very thing that makes it so utterly brutal and dangerous. At the time, they I'm not a football uh, – okay, now I'm, I'm – Showing, I'm tipping my hand a little bit. I am not an expert on the sport itself, just more its portrayal in cinema. Uh, but they didn't even have uh, the forward pass. You had it was all about the rush. It was all about having an individual holding the ball, rushing it physically, not th- throwing the ball and having it intercepted. You had to actually physically hold it, and that would open you up to much more. Um, potential to be hit or dogpiled on. And that is how the game was played in those days. And this put Roosevelt in an interesting position because he loved the game ever since he was a kid. He publicly presented himself as a fan, but there was a little bit of what PR folks would call optics at play here because this bravado in his public presentation of himself, was meant to distract from his severe asthma, his terrible eyesight, and the other physical challenges he had growing up as a sickly child. He was too slender and frail to play varsity football himself, but that did not diminish his love for the sport. Roosevelt called American football the greatest exercise of fine moral qualities such as resolution, courage, endurance, and capacity to hold one's own and stand up under punishment. He also wrote that in life, as in a football game, the principle should be don't foul and don't shirk, but hit the line hard. Furthermore, he said, I will disinherit any son who does not play college sports. Yeah, and this comes into play in just a little bit, but he also was quoted as saying in a public address in 1903 that he didn't feel any sympathy for people who got battered, even a great deal, as long as it was not fatal. Um, And the thing is, these injuries that were happening— They didn't always result in deaths, but they were gruesome, and they had long-lasting ramifications, even if it wasn't clear right away. It was this death in clear view of everyone, basically, that really changed the conversation. But we are talking about punctured lungs from ribs that are broken. We are talking about head injuries. We are talking about wrenched spines, broken legs, all kinds of stuff because of the lack of safeguards in this sport. Right. And we also have to consider that at this point in time, a lot of people were not aware of the long-term damage Posed by concussions. You know what I mean? They wouldn't notice something wrong necessarily until several years had passed. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, 
where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Historians will tell us that by the time Roosevelt entered the White House as president in 1901, the gridiron had turned into a, a killing field because of these harsh rules. One Princeton player explained to the journalist Henry Beach Needham that we're coached to pick out the most dangerous man on the opposing side and put him out in the first five minutes of the game. In 1905, the Chicago Tribune reported that 19 people died playing college, high school, and sandlot or amateur football that year. And Roosevelt was getting unsettled. He didn't like this. He's president, so the press is always going to be, you know— at least partially adversarial, right? And being a shrewd politician, he saw trouble on the horizon. And he didn't like these journalists talking bad, talking smack about football. He was determined to save football somehow. He also knew on the on the side of the ivory towers that several officials at Harvard and other universities were determined to abolish the game altogether, at least ban it from their campuses. Roosevelt referred to this as the Baby Act. In that period that, Ben, you were just describing in the 1905 football season, the Chicago Tribune coined a pretty excellent expression for it. Uh, they called it the death harvest. Yeah. Yeah. So we see Roosevelt at a crossroads, right? The colleges want to end the game the journalists are describing the horrors of physical injury in lurid detail. Maybe now we reintroduce his son, Theodore Roosevelt Jr. It was in that year of the death harvest that uh, Ted Roosevelt, as Theodore Roosevelt Jr. was known, uh, was playing uh, for his alma mater of Harvard against Yale. And that was when he got an illegal hit that left him with a broken nose and a pretty bloodied face. And some uh, conjectured that they th this was done to him on purpose because no one else had been seriously injured in, in that game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And in that, but here's the thing, in that same afternoon, another football player by the name of Harold Moore, who played for Union College, he died of a cerebral hemorrhage when he was kicked in the head while attempting to uh, tackle an NYU player. Um, And this was all during that year. And it was kind of an eye-opening thing for President Roosevelt because he wasn't he certainly didn't want to give his son special treatment but i think he it opened his eyes to how there needed to be some kind of change that wouldn't rob the sport of what made it good but also would have some protections for these young men who were in ivy league schools and had bright careers ahead of them outside of the sport you know they didn't want to, he didn't want them to have like brain injuries and be so seriously injured that they couldn't pursue their dreams i mean i think what do you think made it click for him ben cuz he certainly didn't seem someone that would pamper his son he wanted him to you know be in this rough environment and kind of learn and you know stand on his own two feet there are multiple factors We know that he was very, very close to his children, but he also expected a lot out of them. We know that he wrote to his son and said that the very things that make it a good game make it a rough game, referring to football. And even then, he seemed a little divided. He definitely wanted his children to play, but he was also, as any father would be, concerned. And then, you know, you have the the media angle, and then you have the inarguable fact that children are dying. They're dying preventable deaths, and they're dying as a result of participating in this sport. On October 9th, Roosevelt convenes a football summit at the White House. A lot of people are there, athletic directors, Ivy League coaches, Secretary of State Elihu Root, and Roosevelt says, football is on trial. Because I believe in the game, I want to do all I can to save it, and so I have called you all down here to see whether you won't all agree to abide by both the letter and spirit of the rules, for that will help. And Ben, if I'm not mistaken, this summit uh, or this intercollegiate collective, a conference, I guess, would ultimately become what is now today known as the NCAA. Yeah, the National Collegiate Athletic Association. This happened, so he makes this speech on 1905, same year as the Death Harvest. The next year, March 1906, 62 institutions become members of the NCAA. And this included a codified set of rules of engagement, much like any kind of international agreement between nations on what constitutes fair war (laughs) tactics. I mean, this was very much along those lines. They uh, changed some of the rules. Remember earlier I was talking about how they didn't allow the forward pass. You had to run with the ball. Now they allowed the forward pass, which would cut down on the opportunities for um, runners to be tackled. And not to mention, they changed some more specific things, Ben. You might uh, have a better grasp of this than me, but I'm going to do my best to explain it. They uh, changed, they had a neutral zone between offense and defense, and they actually, so a neutral zone would be a zone where you are less likely to get hit. Is that right? So in American football, and I had to look this up, Uh, In American football, the neutral zone is the length of the football from one tip to the other when it's spotted, placed on a certain spot on the field prior to the snap of the ball during a scrimmage down. Okay. 
<laughs> so there's that. Uh, I feel, again, <laughs> I feel like you just got whooshed. Huh? I got whooshed. I got whooshed big time. So legalize the forward pass. That one I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, neutral zone. And then they also um, doubled the – this is from a History.com article about how Teddy Roosevelt saved football. They uh, doubled the first down distance to 10 yards. Mm-hmm. So I guess you didn't have to rush quite as far. Oh, you know what? In the amount of time. That makes sense. Also – I was getting too in the weeds with that neutral zone definition. Let's just think of it as an area where no members of either team can go other than the person holding the ball. That makes sense. That makes a little more sense. We're unwooshing ourselves. Big time. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And this didn't completely change the nature of the game, which was by design. They wanted to keep it rough. They didn't want to like, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a pejorative, I mean, very much is, but Roosevelt said they didn't want to make the game be played, quote, on too ladylike a basis. So it certainly wasn't becoming, yeah, it certainly wasn't becoming touch football or flag football or something. But uh, fatalities declined to uh, 11 per year instead of the 19 that we saw in that death harvest year, which to me isn't quite good enough. Still progress. I guess mm-hmm. you could say that. Harvard's football coach at the time, William Reed, said that Roosevelt had helped save the game. A ban against the sport by colleges and universities would have prevented, most likely would have prevented, the development of professional football. And although this this ends the main branch of our tale, and it is true that if you are a football fan, you should ardently thank President Theodore Roosevelt, I have to say there is one thing about football that always trips me out more and more recently. 
It's the Super Bowl halftime show, man. Yeah. Which is its own bag of badgers, its own ball of wax or weird string, or I should say ball of lip-synced abbreviated performances. Totally. We had the Super Bowl in Atlanta this last game, and uh, people were talking more about the halftime show than they were about the game. Apparently, it was a bit of a snooze fest, but it was funny when there were things that happened as part of the game, the telecast. I could go outside and hear, like, the Blue Angel jets flying overhead. That was funny to be able to Mm -hmm. experience those things in real time. Yeah, I, you know— I, I know that there are amazing Super Bowl halftime performances, and I know that there are people who just tune in to watch that. But I got to say, I, the last one didn't really, didn't really move me. You know what I mean? Who was that, Maroon 5? Maroon 5, Adam Levine with his – Adam Levine and his tacky tattoos. I heard the bigger controversy was him showing a nipple. And not get nipples and not getting in trouble yeah, with multiple, Janet Jackson. Multiple nipples. Yeah, for just the one. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a bizarre double standard. So let us know what you think of American football. I'd especially love to hear what you think if you are not from this country. Because here in the U.S., football is tremendously popular. It's a billion-dollar industry. And for outsiders looking in, the rules of football can seem as inscrutable as the rules of cricket. Do you know the rules of cricket? Absolutely not. Don't feel bad. Neither do I. I know the bat's called the wicket, right? No? No. Sorry, man. No, no, it's the, uh, the, I, I don't know the name of the bat in cricket, but the wicket is one of the two sets of three stumps at either end of the pitch. Are you kidding me? No, like a wicket in croquet. So what's a sticky wicket? A sticky wicket, if I'm just speculating here, is a wicket where it's tough to knock down the the horizontal parts, the bales. Okay, I give up. (laughs) Don't give up. All right, I won't give up. I'll send you, I'm going to send you a great sketch from Mitchell and Webb, my friends, about cricket. I would really love that, then because I love Mitchell and Webb, and I apparently am completely ignorant on, on, on the rules of cricket and American football. Because you know what, Ben? They don't really talk about the rules in the movies, the football movies. They just assume that you already know. And it's mainly about the Oscar moment speeches, right? Yeah, to With me, it's about music. the Oscar moment. It's about, it's about like, Rudy is a good one. I like Rudy. Uh-huh. You know, the yeah, underdog yeah. story. I really Rudy's like that. a little that. mainstream for you. Yeah, I know. I know. I usually uh, go for the deeper cuts, but um, it's, it's an important one. Remember mm-hmm. the Titans? Do you remember them? Remember those Titans? Don't remember those Titans. I know the name of the film, but I haven't watched it. Well, it's a very, very uh, inspiring tale Mm -hmm. of underdoggedness. I'm more into weird presidential history and trivia, uh, and I think this episode qualifies for that. I think this episode is the beautiful Venn diagram betwixt those two disciplines, Ben. (laughs) Right, right. I agree with you, Noel. And— This ends our story today. Yeah, let us know if American football is popular outside of the U.S. It's probably never going to be as popular as soccer or, you know, what the rest of the world calls football. Furthermore, let us know what you think of the concussion controversy. A few years back, we got together at work and did what I think is is a pretty stand-up video a documentary on concussions. Do you remember that, Casey? I do remember that. We went to, or I didn't go, but somebody went to like a conference or something about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Football Hall of Fame or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can post that 
on our Facebook page, Ridiculous Historians. Uh, it's, it's an excellent way to learn a little bit more about the current science combating concussions today. Uh, while you are on the internet, feel free to check us out on Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram, and you can check out some more of Noel's I'm certain deep dive research into 90s era football films on his own Instagram. Yep, you can. Uh, that is at Embryonic Insider where, you'll, you know, I'll post uh, pictures and, and video clips of me at various 90s pop culture conferences and, sure, you know, symposiums, symposiums and mm-hmm. talks and, you know, TED Talks, all the different kinds of talks. And you can find me at Ben Bolin where I am your faithful correspondent providing a visual travelogue of the various strange countries that I <laughs> that I get kicked into and kicked out of. North Korea, I'm looking at you. Here's looking at you, North Korea. I like that, Ben. I really got to go. Um, thanks to super producer Casey Pegram, as always, Alex Williams, who composed our theme, research associate Gabe Luzier, and Ben, you. Thanks, Noel. And hey, and thank you, too. Thanks to Theodore Roosevelt uh, for introducing us to the term Rough Riders, for being president, for making football a little less lethal and allowing the game to continue for its millions of fans across the country and the world. And thanks for listening. Uh, I have one last question. I'm going to squeeze in one last question for everybody. What's the weirdest sport you know about? Yeah. Let us know, folks. Talk to you soon. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.